there will be no real non-controlled currency in the world. Bitcoin is punk rock. Deal with it. You split, we bankrupt you. Do you use Lightning wallets to pay for things or not? No. Bitcoin Cash would be seen as more of a threat to the United States hegemony than Bitcoin. Miles, tell me, what's your favorite kind of money? Bitcoin Cash. Hello and welcome back to the Bitcoin Cash podcast following Bitcoin Cash on its rise to global reserve currency. This is episode number 63, which I have titled Regulation and Twitter Takeover, featuring Joel Valenzuela. Today is actually Sunday the 30th of October, but uh, these new slides <laughs> are a little a little scrappy, just getting in the vibe, but hopefully they look nicer, so uh, maybe everyone can enjoy that. Uh, anyway... Our guest today is a digital currency advocate, longtime Bitcoiner, one of the true crypto OGs and lives entirely bankless <laughs> and uh, doesn't yeah, have Yeah, I don't a have bank- a podcast called The Bankless Podcast, so I'm no, not all the way there, apparently. You, yeah, you need, to, you need to work on that. But he does uh, work on the digital cash rundown and the Dash podcast as well and actually has been on the show as well before. i think it was episode what 20 something or 30 35 maybe anyway you came on and talked about uh all the different coins which was which was actually awesome a lot of people enjoyed that episode but welcome to the show joel for the listeners that missed last time just give a brief uh, in your own words of uh what you do in the crypto space yeah so hey everyone i'm joel i've been living off of cryptocurrency i haven't been paid in fiat since 2015 i should say and it's been a crazy run i do you know media podcasting all that kind of stuff i run my channel digital cash network and um, also do other writing and marketing stuff on the side and more importantly i'm trying to now launch into teaching people how to live on crypto and soon how to build a business on crypto to be truly censorship resistant so i was living on bitcoin at first that didn't work after a while so then i started to use dash because that was like a year before bitcoin cash even existed and then that's mostly what i use but i've started using bitcoin cash as well some monero here and there some things like that you know all that kind of stuff and today i'm wearing my bcash green shirt <laughs> with a nice reminder of Karl Marx atop a pile of skulls saying, sorry, guys, just a theory, just so we set the mood right for this show. Well, I have some sympathy for Karl Marx, I've got to say, because people who think Karl Marx is discredited will say, well, that was socialism not done right. And if it were me, I would say, well, you know, BDC is Bitcoin not done right. So I I got to say there's some uh, (laughs) there's some merit to that. But uh, you know, the eternal optimism of the human spirit prevails and we're here to fix that by doing it right this time. So that is about the one thing that uh, socialists and I have in, have in common, a bit of a bit of a sense that we just need to crack on and do it differently and better. So speaking of that, we've got the uh, price. Crypto still kind of going sideways this week. Bitcoin Cash, 116 dollars and 42 cents usd so up a tiny little bit one btc now buys 178 bch so down a slight shade there 
and one Ethereum buys 13.6 BCH. ETH actually had a pretty good week, so BCH is down a bit more there. We were actually Bitcoin Cash fell out of the top 30 for a couple of days, uh, but as per always, a, a few things get above us and then they sort of fade off once their pump is over. Um, but yeah, really hoping that probably 2023 we can start grinding our way uh back up the rankings as the community starts pumping out more more projects and, and excitement and maybe the saint kitts conference as well too maybe that'll add a bit of uh juice into things joel how are you feeling about the uh markets right now you explained to me before the show how you how you handle that situation oh well we're in a bear market i'm used to the up and down cycles um that being said it's a little two things are present first off it's annoying to see good projects like stuff like bitcoin cash should have been in the top five right should be like up there um you should have like all like the good ones the tried true ones like right in the top 10 instead of like eight stable coins or some nonsense so that's a little sad to see the the misalignment but at the same time i'm starting to see like before if it wasn't a top 10 top 20 coin or whatever it was you didn't even pay attention right no one cared and now people just don't seem to care so much about market ranking unless you're like one of the the bit boys of the world that just has to talk about that or whatever but like i remember a time when people were like that's a top that oh it's not even in the top 10 why should we care and now people are just like well it's in the top 100 and it's in our vein of things like when you see payment processors for example um and what they like bit the bit pays of the world and like what they accept for payments as far as crypto is concerned that does not align with like mostly the top 20 at all it's just like it's clearly the ones for money the money coins are there the payment coins and then you get something else and then just like it's all on you know the smart contract kind of side and things like that so that's kind of like what my my general thought i think i still see the markets and i um i saw in the past in past cycles a bunch of like again not to use the word shit coin but like a bunch of inferior projects pretending to be better projects now i see a lot of inferior projects not pretending to be better projects and like if i would recommend anyone go to uh justin bonds justin underscore b-o-n-s his twitter feed he has he does like twitter threads that are you know probably 10 tweets too long but whatever about uh, like going deep dives into projects and mostly it's just like dumping on whatever the latest smart contract like half of them are just like telling everyone why solana sucks and so he had one recent one about solana the fact that that's up there i think we're in for a reckoning and i wouldn't say it maybe it'll start next cycle next bull cycle maybe it'll start the one after that but eventually we're going to have that um, kind of readjustment where you won't see ridiculous valuations on terrible things and you won't see teeny um, valuations on things that are actually valuable in the in the real world today yeah that's a great point i mean i think for a long time people have seen the coin market cap and the rankings especially as kind of a score just because people come into things and they need some sort of ease and because it's a financial product as well too people are used to the idea of the top 50 com- companies on the s&p or whatever so people think in those terms for financial 
uh, products. Of course, as has been explained on the show many times, market cap is a misleading at best uh, indicator and yeah, just in- wholly inaccurate at worst. But I, I think it's a, a fair point, actually, a very good one that over time, the uh, sort of respect of a project or the, uh, what do you call it? Maybe not the visibility, but the overall yeah recognition of a project is diverging from the coin market cap rank. And rather than the good projects rising to the top of the coin market cap, the coin market cap has just become less valued as the exact way to to price a project because you're right things like monero bitcoin cash even litecoin though i hate to admit it dash obviously um even something like ecash for instance uh probably far lower down the rankings than coins like typical things that such coins would have which other projects don't have are they've been lasting a very long time they have a truly organically developed community they have a good coin distribution that isn't largely held in the hands of vcs they maybe have little or less of a central command and control structure going on behind the scenes all those Mm -hmm. all those things are what i think you and i are looking for as well as obviously functionality that the coin market cap rankings don't don't really reflect in fact, if the bigger the slice of the pie that all your investors hold on to, the, the more you can pump it through the roof, like uh, Avalanche or Solana, if 95% of the supply is held by a couple of VCs who would plan to cash out in 10 years, then you only need a little bit of retail FOMO, which those same VC investors will finance, and you're off to the races, right? So, Yeah, uh, there, there's something, there's a lot in that by the way <laughs> we just went through uh first off i'd like to point out everyone else maybe sorry for throwing out so many like sources and websites right away but there's cryptofees.info is the real scoreboard which is how much people are paying to actually use networks which is you know a company revenue if you could say it like that and it doesn't mean anything about quality of pro- of projects but that's like the real adoption metric i should say and uh, of course like total adoption not like adoption is money because i would argue there's a lot more people paying their bills with something like bitcoin cash today than there are with ethereum yet ethereum is just like so much money is flowing through there and people are paying to use it and so over time i think that's going to be the metric that we're going to be watching it's funny you mentioned stuff like ecash which has some interesting um should say some interesting innovations to it Uh, it, it's i would call it like another attempt at being dash sort of you know it just kind of like decred is also a different it's like it, it is kind of a bullish signal like when you have like eight privacy coins or eight bitcoins or whatever that's like the main thing is a good design but like ak i just looked at the block explorer it's like under a thousand transactions a day it's like it's pretty low right now so it's it's potential but you know we'll see where that goes um really quick thought on vcs I hate that stuff. You know, I hate the, like the VC driven stuff at some point. I do think the old, um, networks, the old, like, Oh, we had a fair mind and all like those, you know, us, those nerds, you know, us lame nerd people need to actually figure out how to approach VCs and find a way to get that money into the still decentralized ecosystem. It just say like, look, why don't you, I mean, with something like a dash where if you buy a bunch of the coin, you can actually vote and have a seat at the table sort of thing. It's a little bit of more of a, a direct proposition, but even something like Bitcoin cash, like I'm sure 
like Sonny and Roger have seen plenty of reason to throw a bunch of money to like boots, bootstrap parts of the ecosystem. And, you know, I think that you kind of need that, that seed capital. I mean, everyone just had that, oh, Bitcoin was organic, man. It's just like, it's just like, you know, that first girlfriend that you like saw across the bridge and just, you knew it for like, it's that, that's not realistic though. That's not the way the world works. So we got to kind of figure out how to maintain the decentralization, but still appeal to larger investors. I mean, I think part of part of the strategy, I guess, more, especially mm-hmm. from the Bitcoin cash case, but maybe also from things like BDC or Ethereum or probably the Monero community would be like, just fuck right off with the VCs. But uh, any any sort of angle like that is more, it, it's a kind of a grassroots up thing. The idea that, okay, the VCs can pump a lot of money into basically scamming people in Solana or whatever, which they have, have done. But that only gets them so far because at a certain mm-hmm. point, the consumers actually try or need the product and then they figure out what is real and what is not. I anecdotally was recently talking to somebody about uh, crypto and I was showing them Bitcoin Cash and explaining all that. And it's funny that it's now when I when I was showing them Bitcoin Cash and explaining, they they got it and they could see that this was a real thing that I was talking about. But I didn't need to explain to them that most of the rest of crypto was just scams and bullshit. They already knew that. And even though they knew very little about crypto, just me being able to give them a sensible explanation and demonstrate with a couple of wallets was already very clearly sort of delineating in their mind. Wait, this is a real person that I know and trust and I have talked to a bunch and practices what he preaches telling me about this thing that I can see works for myself versus... I just see this endless casino going on in all these other coins, which I've avoided because I knew that maybe there was something going on there, but I didn't know what was actually happening. And so once mm-hmm. that process, I think, is starting to become actually fairly widespread, the amount of people able to be suckered into just whatever is hype this month is is slowly just drying up as all the word has, world has heard of Bitcoin, has heard of the alternatives, has, understands that there's a lot of speculation and bullshit going on you know over time it becomes more and more important that the vcs are not going to be able to make money just pumping bullshit they're going to have to actually invest in projects which real people are choosing to use so i think that's kind of the angle like we're going to let them come to us by making something so good that they can't ignore it but maybe that's a foolhardy strategy or less not optimal let's say yeah i mean i think that we're starting to sort of see uh while things are different well this is a completely new technology in space and we can't think of things the same way a lot of things that apply to old school companies still do apply where you got the startup phase you got like the vc darlings and then you got like a business where there's like a mom and pop business out of your basement that you just do whatever with, you start slowly gaining customers over time. And that is really hard to take to the big leagues unless you're very successful. But at some point you start to be successful. At some point, either investor just come on by or more importantly, you court investors, then you get more stuff in and then you grow. And there's a million different models and some businesses will just only be the size that they will. Like they're not, not everyone is trying to take over the world. Some are trying to take over the world. You know, they come and go things that have read different revenue models, things are a lot of things like, um, I believe 
Pinterest was losing money hand over fist for many, many years as they just had this like cool, exciting thing out there and had no monetization model. Now they're monetizing it. And I don't know if it's doing as well, but like this is all analogous to the way the crypto thing works. And so I think at some point, like no one, like how many people on Twitter are aware of its stock price? I mean, I don't, I don't know any of this stuff. How many Amazon shoppers know what the stock is doing that day? How many, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, I think at some point we're going to have a lot of established businesses that people just use or don't, you know, network businesses, decentralized businesses, but still business style. Nonetheless, a lot of tech people are going to use. And then it's unlike, like you have like an all-in-one app with like a Venmo or something like that. Um, Unlike that, I think you're, a lot of the crypto experience is going to be multi-chain without knowing it's multi-chain even. And that's the way it's going to be different. It's kind of like, oh, look, this is written written in Go. This is, you know, written in Rust or React or whatever. Like, it's going to be a little bit more like that. But yeah, I don't know. At some point, the right now, like, what are the reasons, again, one of the reasons my channel isn't as big as it could be is because I'm I'm not as good at running YouTube channel as I should be. But let's be fair to start out with that. Another big part is I never talk about trading or price. Really, I just never. I just don't care. And that's literally the whole space. I do have my most popular video does ask the question of why does the Bitcoin price go up? And so <laughs> I had to throw one in there just to see. And sure enough, you know, that's kind of off to the races. But I think that at some point we're going to have a divorce of the, the world. It's not even going to be, oh, the good projects are going to start winning. It's just like the good projects are going to be a completely different zone. Like no one's even going to be talking about them in the same category. Kind of like how NFTs sort of divorced from like the digital cash era a lot. And then what people are doing, all that stuff. And then there's like the DeFi DGENs over there. And then there's like a bunch of different categories that don't even like, see each other yeah i think so and i i mean it will be interesting i think because the the <laughs> the digital cash people were there first right so in the sense mm-hmm. that you and i might be more willing to sort of ignore the nft people as kind of okay you're a bit of a fad and once your project's fucked off in uh in in two years then i mean i don't know whatever you're you've got a short attention span and you will have done something else and we're still doing this but it's going to be quite ironic if it gets to a point where the DeFi uh degen people are still hey look at my newest nft and then they go into the shop and buying a sandwich in bitcoin cash or something right like <laughs> we can mm-hmm. we can probably ignore them forever but <laughs> they probably can't ignore us forever whether or not it clicks to them that that's what's happened if it all yeah. goes to plan, that's how it's going to work out, right? Probably a lot of these um, crypto businesses will, there will be some sort of a EVM pipeline, so to speak, to payments. Because like before it was just like the, obviously Bitcoin, number one, right? The daddy, everyone's, there's always some like way to pay stuff with that, you know? But then it was always like the Bitcoin Cash community, the Dash community, the Monero community to a certain extent, like, Everywhere you could pay, those communities were pushing it forward. And then out of the blue, I saw a, a Brave ad for some company that allows you to pay your all your bills with Polygon and just Polygon. I was like, whoa, that came from nowhere. But if you think about it, 
people mint cheap NFTs on Polygon because Ethereum sucks. And then what happens when they sell them? They get on the the on the um, the exchanges or or the um, the markets, the NFT marketplaces. Then they just they have profits, and then they could pay their bills right with that without swapping it over to something first. So I think there's always going to be a little bit of that. It might be like, you know, Polygon for your latte or whatever, a little bit. But um, as far as like the money thing, that's just like that's just like a revenue source where you have a business and it's like the gas, the revenue from the business, and you can pay it like that. But I don't know if anyone's ever going to be like, I'm going to just like buy Matic, just buy Polygon because I, I think I'm my money's safe in there. Like no one's doing that. No one's probably ever going to do that. And they're going to be doing stuff that they know the supply is decentralized. They know it's secure. They know it's their money is safe. And then if they can spend a safe money, that's the money that's going to win out. Like all the stuff that, that Maxis are talking about, there's some truth to that. I mean, they, they overestimate like their uniqueness kind of like, oh, we're the only ones that can do it. Like, no, it's not true. But there's a lot of truth to that to where all these compromised chains, I should call them, like Ethereum to a certain extent, but like all the other ones, like the Solanas, the Cardanos, the Avalanches, it just like, sure, we'll give half our supply to VCs here or there. We don't care. Just get the stuff going. Those ones, it's going to bite them in the ass at some point. And it might not bite their use case in the ass, but it will rule them out as being like a money people trust, especially if they're not private too. And so there's always going to be people saving and wanting to earn and, and spend the like the real stuff. Well, yeah, because then, I mean, there is certainly a, well, like you're saying about that Polygon case, that's not the case that there's an entire supply chain of people that like Polygon. Basically, what that business mm-hmm. is doing is offering, we'll do the conversion on our end instead of your end, right? So yeah. there's a certain extent to which uh, people will be able to, at some point probably just paying whatever crypto they choose and the person it's just all going to be you know side shifted essentially and people are going to be receiving money in whatever currency they choose too so what's going to set coins apart is going to be the currency that people choose to hold at the end of the day like mm-hmm. you're saying which is why there's going to be a high prior uh, priority on uh you know a high premium on um security and longevity and stuff like that but also i think network effect and uh efficiency of the chain is going to matter massively like scalability right because there's a certain network effect and other coins maybe it's going to be like you can pay in whatever coin you want but if you're going to pay on your crappy coin well you're going to pay my uh transfer fee and you're also going to pay my currency conversion fee which will probably go down over time as liquidity increases but on the other hand like it just, just still means that the BDC idea still doesn't work because somebody has to pay the fee at the end of the day and nobody's going to be the one the one who's wanting to do it to get settled on chain. Yeah, I think you'll see the prices, like the prices of goods and services reflect some of this because it's increasingly, I mean, ignore that ThorChain got halted a few days ago because of some consensus bug that they fixed quickly. Uh, at some point, stuff like ThorChain is going to be the norm to where your point of sale system can just convert to the money you want instantly pretty much and with it without any third party you know without any centralized counterparty or anything but it does cost a conversion fee like around i think a lot of thorchain interfaces would be like around a one percent or something like that and so one percent is not that much on like coffee but if you're trying to buy like 
you know, uh, a new computer, let's just say like, what's a 1% of a thousand dollars, right? That's, that starts to get a little, you know, that starts to get a little more and you're like, well, you, it's that much cheaper if you just pay me right in the thing I want rather than this thing that has to go through the Thor change and it, it eats away a little bit of that price. And so you, you should see that kind of a thing. Or more importantly, you could configure your point of sale system to just automatically, um, to just automatically price it in whatever, to just automatically factor that in. Like if our, like this is the this is the price. It's priced in this. Anything else is something is you add the the, the cover the Thorchain conversion fee or whatever in there. And then I'm sure there's going to be like saver apps and stuff where people are going to like the services are going to survey all the yeah. all the businesses and be like, well, the, which is the most popular currency that people want to hold back end. And then these are the ones that are not going to charge you extra. So if you like today's, yeah, today's Litecoin day, if you pay in Litecoin, you have a 90, like a 67% chance of actually saving money because people want that. And then, oh, you know, oh no, Bitcoin cash, that's the more popular one now. So that's the one that you can save on. Um, yeah. The rabbit hole can go pretty deep on this. Yeah. Super interesting. And this is all this sort of extra stuff that is going to be built. I mean, it's like what you're talking about. It's nothing it's nothing radical or nothing. You don't have to be sold on a million different concepts to, to get, get involved in that or be a libertarian or anything. It's like literally just, we haven't had enough time. And if you just give the engineers and the businesses in crypto time to keep plugging away at it, all this stuff is going to exist. Uh, but it's, yeah, we're, we're just going to see it all play out over the next uh, five or 10 years. So speaking of that, the big crypto drama from the last week or so has been this huge dust up uh i guess you could describe it as several different industry influencer voices getting involved in this big sort of roundabout and at times acrimonious debate on regulation you and i actually talked about this on the uh digital cash rundown as well people can uh, check that out if they want to hear some thoughts of it there but i'm going to take a slightly different angle to it here and the story has also developed a bit uh, since so basically it all started with sam bankman fried who is the richest person in the world under 30 uh he's got some 25 billion dollars or something like that which he made by starting an exchange called ftx although that was the second thing he did the first thing he did was called alameda research and basically they were doing crypto arbitrage starting in japan and then growing to all these other places uh by adding liquidity into crypto markets. So he saw the price was lower in the US than in Japan. So he bought a bunch of crypto in Japan in the US and then sold it in Japan and then used, you know, cut off the profit and then used the rest to buy back the crypto he originally had. And basically by iterating on that, he's become ludicrously wealthy. Now, what he has done as a result of getting big in the industry is he's now able to influence the direction of the scene to some extent uh and he's also a bit of a character he's a bit of a a weird guy in some respects and so he has put out this he's not very crypto native in the sense he's not really a big he doesn't even really describe himself as a big believer in cryptocurrency he just saw an opportunity and he took it and he put out this uh post called Possible Digital Asset Industry Standards recently, uh, where he was talking about what are things that the crypto industry 
can negotiate with or aim towards or whatever in dealing with regulators. So uh, I personally didn't agree with much of this, but he was essentially advocating for everybody following or uh, respecting, in his words, uh, the OFAC block list, so the US government sanction lists, and saying, look, well, we need to keep protocols decentralized and censorship free but we should also allow regulation or we should basically offer proactively offer regulation of web front end so the actual website that you use to use something like ave or make a dow or sushi swap or um i guess some of those smart bitcoin cash miss swap like things like that that the actual websites themselves should be regulated as financial institutions, which is essentially a, an opportunity for him to corner the market because that's the product he, he's already selling. He's essentially just screwing over his competition in doing so. And he also had some other kind of points that I thought were a bit suspect, basically, about he, he was advocating for community norms around hackers returning funds he thought there should be a fair amount in quotation marks of 95 percent of the funds should be given back in any hack and i well i didn't really understand that part of it either because <laughs> i mean what, what do you mean you're negotiating with a hack he was basically saying it's unproductive that we always have to negotiate with hackers when people get hacked but that's how it works they've they've stolen your money they've got your money <laughs> like then they're, they're not just gonna say oh well you say I, it's fair if I give back 5%. So I'm going to give back 5%. Great. Uh, so that point seemed kind of naive to me too. But in, in general, did you have a bit of a, a take on uh, his his proposed regulation? And we'll go into the, the pushback in the commentary in a sec. Yeah, he definitely is trying to absorb the new system into the old system. And I think think that this it's it, there's a lot of like speculation on like what are the motivations what does he want to do by this i think it's probably 50 50 uh, i think half of it comes from a i would say a good place or like a, a a useful place let's say where he's seeing this impasse where crypto's the wild west the crypto people love it but people are getting scammed and losing money and also seeing that the regulators are coming like, oh, I don't know about this whole thing. And he just wants it to be legit above board so the whole space can just move forward. And so he's trying to solve that impasse by being like, look, I'll extend the olive branch to the regulators and say, this is what we could do that's reasonable. We can kind of meet in the middle here. Um, which, of course, it doesn't work that way because the regulator is going to say, oh, that's a great start, but these five things too, and then you're screwed, right? On the other side... As you mentioned, he's not like a crypto native dude. He saw an opportunity, went for it. And he's seeing here, this is a system that works for him and his products and what he does. And the, you know, screw all the, you know, starving kids in Africa or getting like random donations and stuff that like don't, or the, the small micro entrepreneurs that want to do this and just make it big because they have nothing else in life other than their goats. And like, there's like all this, the freedom tech bit, he doesn't get or care about and more importantly i think he sees it as like a threat to him and his business model on two levels first uh, if he is 
the largest centralized exchange probably i mean it's up there he's been talking about buying coinbase so he's not not exactly like a, a small minnow he bought voyager did all this stuff uh, if he's in that place DeFi will ruin a giant chunk of his business not all of it obviously there's the fiat on-ramp stuff which still has a place for a while but DeFi, where people just get to like cut out all the regulatory red tape he's doing cut out all the employees just runs just make code that runs and then just spits out money you know like he can't compete with that so he wants to crush it and also DeFi hacks DeFi scams all this kind of stuff looks bad on his business and makes his potential customers wary to jump in so he's just like nah let's let's do it let's get a thing that works for me in my world and also, uh, as I pointed out on my show was the day before yesterday, uh, he I was looking through my t- the political side of my Twitter feed, right, the non crypto side, and I saw some like mega donors in the t- in the U.S. 2022 midterm election, and I just saw his face. I'm like, what? So I look at this thing, and there's all these like mega donors, and there are like I recognize some of them, but like the only young person on the entire list was Sam Bankman Fried. And he's giving, I think he gave like 40 million to Democratic Party causes. And he's pledged like 100 million. I heard of something about that, which the Democratic Party, for those who aren't, you know, US political, uh, is the ruling party, you know, the party of the COVID lockdowns, the party of like the bailouts of the hyperinflation, like all the, the bad stuff. And the other party, Let's be honest, kind of sucks too. I'm not going to get all political on that. I'm not I'm not thrilled about the other one either, but just saying the establishment is all this. And all the people calling for crypto regulation tend to be on the Democratic Party side of things. And so, and I looked at like the funding breakdown. I think he's given like 2 million or something like that to um, pro-crypto candidates or something like that, which is good, but that's like 2% of like everything. Like everything else is there to reinforce the status quo that like the ruling elite. And so I think he just saw an opportunity with crypto, made a bunch of money, and now he's trying to just solidify himself into the system. He's kind of like the, um, like in the, in the movies or whatever, when there's like the, the, he's like the Judas to like the heroes. It's like the, what's his name in the matrix who just wants the stakes. Like tells everyone out. Yeah. He's the cipher. He's definitely the cipher in this where He's like, he's a young guy, younger than me, clearly, which makes me a little bit sad about what I've done with my life, but that's a different story. (laughs) He's a young kid. He's done all this and he's one of us sort of, but he's like, you know what? I'm going to just, I'm like the chink in the armor. I'm just going to like sell the whole thing out. So yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, it certainly seems to be, I've seen some suggestion i mean some people would go down the angle that okay like once you are that big that's it you are linked into everything you're linked into all the like you're saying about the donations and the political stuff and undoubtedly the government um you know intelligence or like any anything like that it's also going to be (laughs) knocking on his door the the law enforcement and whatever he's going to be caught in the middle of all that and the degree to which he is or isn't uh, ensnared in all that, either you know voluntarily or involuntarily, it's going to be hard for anybody else to to say. But part of the, what I was referencing when I said before about he's a bit of a 
weird guy. I don't know all the specifics. I'm not an expert on whatever he has or hasn't said in public about this, but he's supposedly this big proponent of effective altruism and kind of similar to sort of Bill Gates or whatever has pledged that he's going to give all this money away. But uh, being an effective altruist and I'm trying to save humanity and the first thing I'm going to do is make enough money to give it away. Well, yeah, I mean, there's some merit to that. I actually think in a capitalist society that's a great idea and whatever but the problem is that you can kind of say that but then just still be a greedy bastard right and be going if if he really was all about saving humanity and and whatever it's kind of weird that he pairs his rhetoric about i'm here to help people and the planet and whatever yet he doesn't really appreciate any of the like freedom of speech or human rights or uh egalitarian access to finance he doesn't really click with any of that so it does seem like a bit of a shill (laughs) to be honest on my part yeah Um, but that's just that's just my impression so then okay so then the next phase of this was that eric voorhees wrote a long sort of rebuttal or counter argument i guess you could say which was much more the classic crypto staunch supporter of we need it all to stay censorship resistant he's he's fairly realistic so eric for people who don't know it's a very long time uh bitcoiner one of the early ogs is i think 2011 maybe even 2010 late 2010 uh era type of guy he has an exchange called shapeshift uh which you know let you swap between coins and he has then like decentralized all of that so i don't think he's even like it was a company but the company shut down because they didn't need the company anymore uh and he just wrote this long principled explanation of okay well there is going to be some regulation and certainly we need to be aware of that and engage with that and so on and so forth but on the other hand if we get shut out of if there's regulation of web websites effectively like sushi swap as the same as a bank those companies are not going to do anything and it's going to destroy every dividing line bet- of the difference between defi and tradfi basically and he also yeah. has been involved <laughs> longer than uh, sbf in the whole industry and in this area specifically because he was running Shapeshift. So he can make a lot of good points about, for instance, the bit license, which was this regulation that came in controversially in New York in the, I think it was about 2014 or 2015. It was fairly early on uh, from today's perspective. And there was this guy, Ben Lorsky, who came in and created all this super onerous regulation to do with crypto businesses in New York. And as a result, uh, a lot of businesses cut off uh, access to New York. They basically just geofenced New York. And if you're in, <laughs> if you're in New York, I actually tried this at the time or shortly after, uh, you know, like Bitfinex or any kind of crypto businesses would just say, you can't access this too bad. So sad because they couldn't be bothered to deal with the innovation. New York, of course, being supposedly the home of wall street and financial powerhouse and whatever just excluded all the innovation from it because of this one guy ben lorsky and his bit license he then quit the regulators (laughs) he then quit the regulators and became a consultant uh selling his knowledge on how to work your way through 
the rules and traps and uh, stuff that he had set up, right? It's the most hypocritical insider, you know, trading type of move ever. It was just blatantly done. And, of course, it just validated to everybody in crypto that these are the corrupt people that we're basically trying to overturn and fight against. And once once he'd done that, you know, good for him. His 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 career is sorted, but he has completely screwed up the whole crypto thing, at, at least in New York. And the main point as well that Eric makes about this is that it's not that at the time, even more hardcore as it was back then compared to now, there still wasn't people saying we don't need regulation. That Well, there was people saying that, right? But the, the prevailing sense by the bigger companies at the time, things like Coinbase or BitPay, was they did engage very heavily. They didn't just say, no, we're doing our own thing, leave us alone. They did talk to him. They did provide recommendations. They did consult, blah, 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 blah. And it basically was all for naught in the face of this corrupt politics, which everybody kind of expected, but it did go down exactly that way, right? So it, yeah. it's not, it's not, there's not a good track record of, okay, we're going to deal with you guys on a good faith basis and we're going to get good faith. There's obviously Jeremy Kaufman with the SEC and library is another similar case of, of this kind of thing happening. So talk to me a bit about what's what, what you took from the Eric Voorhees angle on it all. Well, first I got to hit on the bit license thing real quick. Uh, be you have no idea how much of a pain in the ass that thing is. It's not. Um, so for example, I have um, a friend of mine who works, who lives in New York and on Coinbase, he can buy like lots of cryptos, but he can't buy Dash, for example, because it's not a bit licensed thing. It works in the other 49. So you could buy it anywhere else on Coinbase, but just not there. And I have been working on like the side in the last few years trying to help the Dash community with some things. And a lot of the biggest hurdles are like Coinbase Commerce doesn't let you accept Dash. Uh, BitPay doesn't support Dash. Like all these, like these a few things. And the answer always comes back to the bit license. Well, it's because of the bit license because we want something that's like above board for like everywhere. We want something universal. We can't sell a merchant software that like only in New York, it's not going to work out super well. Like, you know, you can't, accept the currency in like one one state and so then in research it's like well how do we do that and then i talked to some people who are well connected in that scene and basically what you have to do is get a company to um, advocate on your behalf to the regulators to basically get the bit license to approve that currency or else you have to like get a special exception it basically unless you're a big player no company is going to go to bat for you on that like if, if Ethereum, for example, was not a bit licensed thing, all the exchanges would be kicking down the door to be like, you got to license this. And basically, this is something I learned very early as I grew up in the north of Mexico. And we, or my family routinely paid bribes to border guards because that's just what was done there to get stuff through. There's always a price. And at some point, though, it's, it's taught me that this... The U.S. is exactly the same with extra steps. You know, it's just like the, like the whole Rick and Morty thing. That sounds like slavery with extra steps. It's like the exact same thing. It's basically quoted at a few hundred thousand to even up to a million dollars to like of like 
paying the right people to get Dash into like bit licensed into New York. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, like this is, that's what all this regulation is at the end of the day. It's just a big old price tag that a bunch of leeches feed off of. And it keeps the small innovative players out and keeps the big established ones in. It just, that's the way it is at the end of the day. And like all this, like, I, I understand the, re like I was, I was, I just steel manned uh, SBF there by saying, well, you know, he's just trying to like, while all that is true, it's hopelessly, it's hopelessly naive and irresponsibly naive even to try to say that like, oh, more regulations are going to work like this. Cause that's not how it ever, ever works in the real world. And Eric knows this, Eric Voorhees. Now the thing about Eric, I'm kind of sad about that. Eric is the other side of the Overton window. I think we need someone like Roger Revere back in the limelight, not fighting about, you know, Bitcoin used to work this way and like, just shut up about that for a while. Go back to like the first principles to be like Mr you know, radical freedom over there, which Eric Voorhees believes in, but he's Mr. Middle. He's like the peace, the peace offering guy. And so you need Eric in the middle, SBF on this side, Roger on this side to pull the whole thing. So what Eric says goes, I think that that's what we need. Now, as far as Eric's thing, he started Satoshi Dice back in the day, which is not really like a legit company, but he made a ton of money off of it and then got like sued by the government and he paid his fine and he still had plenty left over. So he, and he was like, all right, well, I'm going to do this like cool shapeshift thing. And then he saw the writing on the wall that regulators were coming and he played ball with the regulators and it ruined his business. And then he's just like, well, screw it. I'm just going to be a Dow and just be outside of their stuff. So he shut down the company and just ran this. And as I was mentioning about like Thorchain and stuff, like the, uh, shapeshift is basically a Thorchain front end. Thorchain is like their, their um uh cross-chain part back end but it also plugs into like eth swap systems and other things and so when you this funny he says he draws a red line at allowing web front ends for DeFi back ends to be regulated as financial institutions that's because that's him that's literally what he does and it just like he's seeing like look i got out of the game i got out of the company game the centralized game the the trying to deal with the regulators and then they screw your business game to do this and you you, you little freaking pipsqueak with a poofy hair you're trying to like ruin this too <laughs> and so uh regulation is inevitable but i think what we we need to understand whether we're ideological or not is crypto is huge and popular because it it's unregulated basically because it's outside of that stuff because people acquiesce to so many rules and they just like they stacked up over time until we got this situation where the system sucks. And now we got a good system. And while there's no avoiding, you can't just like, it's not going to be awesome forever. It's like, you're not going to have a, a, a fraction, a tiny fraction of a penny for a Bitcoin cash transaction forever. If it becomes popular, you might have to pay one or two cents, right? Like it's, well, it's not going to be awesome for like that awesome forever. Uh, we can make it like we can entrench awesomeness be far beyond the old system and i think that's kind of what eric's trying to do he's just trying to say like look uh you know don't steal don't scam pay your taxes and then everything else just free reign you know yeah so he had yeah he put the for this very reasonable 
taken yeah you're probably right that he he's a little bit more conducive to as he puts it he he believes in a hydra approach where he's kind of like you need some people who are just coloring outside the lines a bit and you need some people mm-hmm. who are who are dealing with the regulators a bit and uh yeah mm-hmm. but he probably is not at that at that far end. and yeah it's actually an interesting point very well said that it's interesting that he is the other side of the the overton window maybe that's already a sign that things are kind of uh slipping in that regard so then you had uh bitboy crypto got in the mix here with a classic uh clip that we're gonna play for you on the show for it's only about a minute or so but i want this guy right here ryan sean adams i don't know who the f you are because you're not important but here he says, piano. please, dear Lord, and any lawmakers or adults reading this tweet, just know BitBoy doesn't represent us either. Talk to Jay Stravinsky. Talk to Miller CWL. Talk to Coin Center. You know what? We are tired of people that look like this guy trying to run stuff. I don't represent the people. The fuck I don't. I'm the one who does. It's me. I'm the one out here putting the work in behind the scenes trying to save crypto while these devils... Sam Bankman Freed, Brian Armstrong, they're trying to permanently ruin it. This is not about money for me. I hope you guys understand this. I am here fighting for you. This guy with these freaking glasses on, this douchebag is out here trying to tell you that only the suits know what to do. Only the suits. Only the people who have all the money. They're the ones who can determine what happens. No, our bill is for the people. And you're going to find this out. We've got the funding for it. And it's coming out. But guess what? <laughs> right there. Right. So there you have uh Bitboy certainly get getting in the getting in in the mix. And I think it's a bit of uh a bit of overkill maybe on his part. Yeah. Or certainly there was there's a bit of collateral damage going on in this whole scenario. Yeah, they're, so they're turning the freaking frogs gay. That's all I have to say that. I mean, he, he's definitely, so, definitely challenged channeling Alex Jones there a little bit. He's he's roasting uh, Ryan Sean Adams, who is one of the hosts of the Bankless uh, podcast, as for wearing glasses, which is a bit irrelevant to his to his point. But I can kind of see why yeah, the audacity he, of the man for wearing spectacles. <laughs> but it's it's it, there's there's sort of i have some sympathy for him in the in the sense that ryan sean adams presents himself on his twitter profile as they're not the sort of more scrappy you know crypto at the end they 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 pay lip service to it they do say okay this is the wild west and we don't want crypto regulation and so on and so forth but he was trying to sort of marginalized bid boy's opinion so there was obviously a bit of back and forth there he, he wasn't just getting blasted out of nowhere but on the other hand okay maybe whether or not he wears glasses is not really that relevant what is relevant is that sam bankman freed like we were saying before is busy try, trying to sort of corrupt the narrative a little bit and uh mm-hmm. clearly Bitboy has realized that and is at least pushing back so it is good again that maybe comes to the overton window point again you need you need more of that kind of energy in there to some degree right could it be someone other than dead boy please like 
this is nonsense. So it's funny because just taking out of context, like not knowing who this dude is or anything, um, I mostly agree with the rant. Like I have to say, I mostly agree with it to a certain extent. And I, I like the work that the bank bankless people are talking about, but I, I do have a little bit of a cat and mouse game with them because they, you know, interview all these suits all the time. And I've been trying to get on their podcast forever just because it seems like a natural fit and they just like, won't do anything. Like they just like ghost me completely. So now every single time they do those like stupid, like engagement posts about who would you like to be on the show next? I said, like maybe someone who's actually at bankless, you know, and they just like, I roast them constantly because they're just a little, you know, like help you become bankless in a high level, but like they won't speak to anyone who's actually living on crypto. So I do kind of roast them a little bit about that. Um, I so I agree that, that with the, that the suits thing for sure. Like thing is, I like the suits in concept, right? I like this the, like professional intelligence. Uh, Eric Voorhees is the perfect suit in that way. In that he is he comes off polished. He knows what he's talking about. He knows how to negotiate, but he comes from a place of the man on the street, the people, like principles. And I think that when you used to call it the suits you're calling out like Weasley, Weasley people like SPF and stuff like that. That's who you're calling out, but you're, you're accidentally calling out people like Eric Voorhees. But like, also I don't want, I, do you trust BitBoy to like represent the crypto community in front of regulators? Cause I sure as hell don't like, I get that the stuff he's trying to talk about sounds, you know, good to the people, but this guy's a, no, he's a little bit of a lunatic, but he's also an absolute scammer who like, sues kids for like talking shit about him and so like i don't know if you ever saw i forget the guy's name i don't, I don't i'm not into the cool kids club of crypto twitter but there's some kid who just said a little bit about oh no he he shills scams and then he was being sued as his wife was giving birth he's having to deal with this stuff and then they raised so much money they like lost dropped the lawsuit he's like the craig wright of he's the craig wright of like pure pump and dumpers just like a you know, I, I, I understand, like, please don't let BitBoy represent me either. I mean, I, I, I let the get that he's doing all this stuff that oh, I'm, I represent the people. Well, I'm the people I'm more than anyone, more than a lot of people. I'm the people in that this is what I use all the time. And he does not represent me at all. But I, as long as like, if his crazy rants get the government to stay off my back a little bit, I'm going to blow him a kiss. You know, because I like that, but I don't trust him at all. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Yeah, well, I'm not. I'm certainly not going to tell you that Bitboy is the good guy, in, except as far as uh, I think he's he's the good guy in this situation. Perhaps I mean I think mm-hmm. yeah, a bit of collateral damage on the on the bankless guys. They have also done fantastic work spreading the message of crypto. Obviously, being a public face, you know, getting a lot of people on board. Okay, I might not agree with them about. Uh, a lot of the crypto specifics, but in general, at least like we're all on team crypto here. Someone like SBF, mm-hmm. I'm a bit more like, I don't even know if you're really, you're in team crypto, but I don't know if you're on it. Uh, at least for both the bankless guys and and BitBoy, I kind of get a sense that they're, they're more at least uh, sitting on the right side of the fence to, to some degree, right? So in this case, I, I'm prepared to give you know BitBoy the benefit 
of the doubt and it's just important that he he is the one getting in there why because he also does have a good amount of money he does have a youtube channel with more than a million and a half subscribers his voice is getting out there to a lot of people so like we were talking about before about the overton window if left to you know its own devices maybe things wouldn't this this pushback you know wouldn't have wouldn't have shifted things quite significantly which we're going to see in a second so he he does have a big voice and he does have money and free time to fight some battles so i'll be interested to see what he was saying there about the stuff that he's proposing or he's going to come out with um because yeah you need you need some you need the like if you didn't have him or you didn't have someone like eric Voorhees, or like you were suggesting about roger veer if you don't have these people going into bat on this stuff then there's going to be no one and it's all going to crumple so I, i've got to take my hat off to him for for getting in the in the ring on this one. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll be that guy as long I mean, I'm a minnow. I'm like a nobody. But <laughs> you I'll, have to I'll, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just ha- I just have to like pull some crazy stunt, you know, where I just, oh, that's that guy who and then all of a sudden I'm like the same but like 10 times the followers on whatever and it's fine. That's right. I think yeah. once I hit once you get the past the 10,000 Twitter followers threshold, I think now you're like a, a legit you're legit, yeah. Big fucking deal, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but this, this is this is in the hundreds of thousands where we're talking about here with uh, Big Boy and and or like yeah, and, and Eric and whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we're yeah. definitely they're they're up there. This is this is some some reach. So then, what happened after this subsequently was that sort of in response. I I don't know. They might have been going to do it anyway, but as it sort of seems to have been. I don't know exactly what happened, but certainly as part of this background bankless including ryan short adams decided that they would host a debate between sam bankman fried and eric Voorhees on this topic with the premise being those two articles that we just looked at the sam bankman fried points and then the eric Voorhees points and they uh they did a two hour and 11 minute debate covering off some of what was in those point so i've got a clip here as well too it's actually a meme clip that someone made but i think to give the listeners a one minute summary straight from the horse's mouth of what exactly happened this is what i'm going with so take a look at this this is uh sam bankman freed and eric Voorhees uh debating about the DeFi and front ends and I, I think you'll be able to tell even if you're one of the audio listeners <laughs> who who is who so let's just hear you this said clip. Mean that like essentially a suit front ends by american targeting american retail had to be licensed um i think that could be reasonable which Sam, is if, we, um, if the question was let's let's acknowledge that the email protocol will be permissionless as a protocol yep but it was the law of the land in america that every email front-end provider required kyc from its users yeah because under the justification that we do not want people sending information back and forth with terrorists yep where would you so, stand on that position? Oh, I'd be strongly against that position. I think why? Be, I think be, why? Why would I be against it? Because I think that it, I think it'd be like against freedom of speech. I think it'd be disenfranchising a lot of people. I think I would not trust in practice that it would do a good job. So I agree with you on all of that. Okay. Um, I'm making a distinction here between, for instance, payments versus like derivatives contracts. Why? Why is Ave somehow different than email? So, um. Why is it different than email? 
Um, you, you argued so well and so passionately yeah. to not block email with yeah. licensing and KYC. I loved hearing that. Yep. That filled my soul with joy. Such yeah. good arguments. Why yeah. does that not apply to financial transactions? So um, why does it not apply to financial transactions? Um, I think there are a few things here. So first of all, All right, we got the curb your enthusiasm out there. That. So basically, to save you all two hours and eleven minutes, I've got the link on the slide. You can look up the debate yourself if you want. But I watched it all this morning, and let me tell you, that's that's pretty much what it comes down to. SBF spends a lot of time. He does most of the talking. Basically, he probably fills up about fifty percent of the airtime in the episode or more between the four of them, and a lot of it is uh, that's the most coherent bits that was in there where he was just getting wrecked where he spends most of the time kind of trying to make this weird argument that well we're gonna have regulation and the most important thing is the protocol so we should protect the protocol and just sort of sacrifice front ends or whatever to appease the regulated gods which like you were saying uh joel is completely naive and nonsensical and then eric is basically saying to him look 99 percent of the users are going to use the front end so 99 percent of the battle is you need the protocol is the most important thing yes but almost as important and right up there too is that people can access it otherwise we just become the same and so he just kind of makes yeah. that case and then it takes him 90 minutes to sort of work this way through to this quality analogy where he just completely slaughters him and just says look it's like email and Sam admits, yes, obviously, if we'd had regulated email interfaces, it would have sucked and probably we'd still be using letters or whatever, right? That kind of idea. And it's just, this is the same thing. But the only reason Sam, Sam can't say it out loud, but it's like, my business is to be that licensed front end provider. So I want to do that. And I don't want to, you know, push back and just say, no, no, yeah. crypto. And I do think that if the world was different, if it was the wild west sbf would have one of the more successful DeFi front ends unregulated whatever like i don't think as much as i do think he's trying to do a little bit of regulatory capture here i also don't think he needs it to be successful uh, but notice his arguments are all based on um basically like societal assumptions like well we all we can't do this we all do this and like that kind of stuff like he he knows that freedom of speech is important i don't think he knows why he just knows that we all say it oh it's that's absolute but but money's different why is it different well because long story short the government said so right but he doesn't actually know why it's different because as i try to say all the time is my good old friend chuck williams always says all values belief Money is a language for communicating value. Money is speech. It's speech that can't be faked because you can lie. You can't lie with money. You can't say, I'm going to pay 10 times what I think this thing is worth just because oh, that'll fool them. Like No one does that. It just doesn't work. It's honest speech to its purest level. And that's why um, it's like when you have bodily autonomy, like my body, my choice kind of stuff. Bodily autonomy is very important, but then your free free thoughts and your freedom of expression of those thoughts and free trade is just a real world application of free speech. It's still speech. If I send you, that was a good podcast here. Let me send you some Bitcoin cash. So that's free speech right there. I just, 
I told you I like you. I told you you have like a handsome eyebrows or whatever, but I did it with money, right? I just, that's how I, I communicated it. And so that's the free speech argument, but somehow it's different because it's too real. Because like, well, we can like, you know, it's like, well, then you start going, well, I believe in free speech, but not hate speech. You can express any ideas you want, but you just can't say like bigoted and terrible ideas, even though they're still ideas. But those are like, because they carry violent connotations with them and they could, okay, and then you start eventually have no free speech, right? And I think that that's the, kind of the point that Eric is making is that this is all just freedom. This is all just speech. And you should be able to do basically whatever you want as long as you're not hurting other people, which is a great principle of libertarian philosophy. But also I just think, I don't think anyone fundamentally disagrees with that in the world, really. Some people disagree with the implications of that. They're like, well, but then if we did that, we'd have to this. And I don't think that's a good idea. But like, no one really believes that like, do whatever you want as long as you're not hurting people is wrong. No, some pe you know? some people do think that's wrong, mate. I don't I don't know yeah, about you, but do. I've met this. There is actually authoritarian people. There's unfortunately quite a lot of them who just have this sort of paternalistic, I know what's best and I'm going to tell people what yeah. to do. Well, the, th the thing is they, at their core, like when you start, like I think that anyone should be able to basically do what they want as long as they don't hurt other people. A lot of people will say, yeah, yeah absolutely. But then, well, but what if they're doing drugs and they're hurting themselves? Well, then they start going back on that over time, like really quickly. But like there's very few people that at their hardcore say like at the start, I don't believe people should be free to do whatever they want as long as they're not harming people. I believe that people should only be free to do very certain things and those must be determined by either social consensus or the, the right of kings or whatever. Like there's very few people that have that like philosophy line from no freedom at the start. Most people are just hypocrites, which I think is a little more, um, a little less disheartening, right? But you know, that's what I'm saying. Clearly, we're all hypocrites to an extent. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but I think that Sam Bakeman Freed believes, I don't think he believes too too deeply or cares or thinks about it. I think he believes in freedom of expression. And I just don't think he extended it to freedom of financial expression. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, everyone can sort of. Uh, make make it their own and what they will we've, we've we've done a pretty big uh segment on all this and all the links are there so you can check into this and and read up on your own uh time if you if you want to know all the all the full details but it's very important to keep this kind of uh context in mind because this i think is a bit of a statement of where the industry is at and that we'll see in five years very strongly the outcome of this whether things worked out for the better and uh, there was sensible sort of regulation or at least things would defer, like uh, Eric made a lot of arguments. Look, how about we come back to this in a few years because clearly even <laughs> he got uh, SBF to admit that he wasn't really an expert in all of it or that he, he wouldn't necessarily be in the best position to regulate it. And he said, look, okay, you're in the thick of this all day, every day, and you're still not sure what to make of it. The regulators definitely are not going to know, you know what the right thing is so we'll, we'll see how it how it plays out but this is very heavily the context of 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 the industry crypto uh as a whole i think um and it's yeah very important that the listeners are at least aware of this and, and thinking about this um 
because I don't necessarily do. We do cover it on this show, but we're not deep in the weeds of all this drama and regulation and whatever so much on a, on a daily basis. But the, right now, it's very, uh, very in the in the in the zeitgeist, I guess we'd say. Okay, next thing yeah. is the BCH bull has launched. So. Uh, we've been covering it on this show a bunch of times about any hedge and how you can lock your Bitcoin cash uh, to USD or to any other value, or you can do decentralized speculation and uh, leveraging, and then it's out, it's here, it's it works. Congratulations to General Protocols for launching this product. It's a big milestone, not only because... Uh, it's actually going to be a very powerful product and also because in exact contrast to all that debate before it is just all permission uh, permissionless on-chain uh, crypto native kind of thinking and innovation um, but also because to me it's a big sign that the bitcoin cash ecosystem is turning the corner a bit and is now worried less about arguing about the past and more about building a better future and this is the start of more UTXO DeFi applications, which are a mostly unexplored area of cryptocurrency. And this is definitely some industry leading stuff here. Not only have they got the uh, their app out, which you can check out at bchbull.com and try it for yourself. I recommend everybody does go and lock $1 for a week or something, even just to test it out and see see what we're talking about here but also because uh paytaka have already built it into their wallet and i know those teams were coordinating and there was some discussion right but the general idea is that anybody and other wallets you know maybe coinbase or maybe bitpay or exodus or whatever other wallets will start integrating these things too of course it is a bitcoin cash specific thing it's not going to be just a copy paste job from any other chain but if this kind of idea can build a bit of momentum, it's going to be a standout thing for Bitcoin Cash, a reason for people to come to the chain specifically for Bitcoin Cash. So I don't know. How much do you know about this uh, any hedge stuff, Joel? Do I need to give you a bit more background on that or are you able to comment? Yeah, a little more background would be nice. I've heard mentioned, I've heard it mentioned a few times. I've kind of cursorily looked in, but like when yeah. you start to get to, the permissionless contract part. Um, so it's not associated with smart BCH at all. Is that right? No, no, no. So this is completely separate to uh, smart BCH. And that's a sort of obviously, as you know, Bitcoin Cash kind of it's, it's playing both sides of the fence where it's got the smart Bitcoin Cash stuff, which is a bit of a flaming wreck right now. But if that can sort itself out, well, then it's kind of in on all the EVM stuff, right? But at the same time, it's also mm -hmm. carrying on the original Bitcoin legacy of we could actually build a lot of this stuff on chain so we've got cash tokens coming in the next upgrade probably in uh well the the test version is going to lock in on november and it'll come in, in may but before that they have this any hedge and the basic idea is that they've made some um scripting stuff in bch so that you and i if we're gonna can lock a certain amount of bch each into a decentralized contract that takes a price feed from an oracle and then dishes out the money to us at expiry so what that means is if i want ten dollars of bitcoin cash in a week and you want to gamble because you're a DeFi degen or a cfi degen even 
I put in $10, you put in $10. In one week's time, I get back $10 and you get back the rest. So if the price goes up, I get back less BCH Satoshis, but I still have my $10 mm-hmm. and you get back the profit that you've made from being a smart speculator, right? And the same works in reverse. If the price goes down, I still get my 10 You have essentially paid me. I get back my $10. So if I'm a merchant or whatever, I can, like you get, it's like a decentralized stable coin, right? S- sort of similar to DAI mm-hmm. or something like that, except the only backing is Bitcoin Cash is, is the backing of everything. And there's no, uh, and th- that's it. It's kind of like, yeah, DAI, except everything is Bitcoin Cash and it's all directly built on chain into the, into the protocol. So you can't get rugged basically. Yeah. Is there, so is there any smart contracts involved in this? Well, yeah, there is. Yeah. It's like not smart, smart contracts in the sense of like EVM smart contracts, except not in this, you know, they're UTXO ones rather than Mm -hmm. it's not copy pasted from some other EVM chain. Yeah. And that's probably the biggest area I'm going to have to like get seriously educated on is, uh, I mean, obviously the surface level thinking of back in the day was like, oh, these are all the money chains, but they're like, you have to push a button to do the thing. Whereas then you got Ethereum and it gets to where you can, it auto does things. And then we're going to kind of getting back into like, there's like graying of the areas between like functionalities, like what happens here, what happens there. And, you know, um, it's kind of, so like, what would be, uh, so it this is where I, I start to like uh, this has happened also like because BSV is doing a whole lot of like data type stuff and contract type stuff and um, where my um, ignorance lies in what is the separating factor between stuff like that and stuff like smart PCH that is a little bit more what we come to understand as like a smart chain like what's what's the difference in there and part of that also comes to um, the new well, not out yet but whatever the dash platform um working not yet having smart contract capability but doing data contracts which supposedly from what i've been told by smarter people is like 90 percent of the stuff that people want smart contracts for could just be done with like data contracts you don't actually need smart contracts for most of that so that's that's where like my you know I, I got into this, the space because of descent of freedom and money, right. And freedom and sound money and where I'm starting to have to become kind of a huge nerd on this stuff and learn about the intricacies of, you know, of all the different scripts and capabilities. But yeah, I think that's a, yeah, you know, I'll have to try it out and I'll have to dig into, you know, the guts of it, so to speak, the guts of the bowl to like find out <laughs> what actually, like what actually makes what happen and in which way. And, how can you get rug? Oh, you can't, but like based on what and just all that kind of stuff. It, it would be an, a fun little, you know, rabbit hole to go down again. Get, put another yeah. thing on top of my plate. But one thing <laughs> as far as you talk about turning the corner, um, it's something that's like, I don't know the answer to, but I've noticed that the payment coins have struggled. I think everyone's noticed that. That I mean, obviously in the hype cycle, they said that that happens. The thing is like, no cryptocurrency for payments other than Bitcoin gets anything significant for transaction volume. And like all, like all the payment chains together are well under a million transactions a day. And then you have like Ethereum 
you know, just like, I don't know, even like Polygon, I think does like a million or more a day, right? Like just one of the side things of Ethereum, just because they're very different things. Uh, and so, but part of that is like, do you chase the herd? No, no bull pun intended, but like, do you chase the herd and be like, oh, everyone wants DeFi or everyone wants, you know, NFTs or anyway, just chase that stuff. And then you end up being like Johnny come lately, me too on and just lose your original purpose and fail at the new thing too. Or like, do you do slow and steady wins the race on the original vision? Or is there some kind of like an in-between thing? And one thing I've sort of come to the conclusion of is uh, there, you do need to do a lot more things to pad. There needs to be something around just the money, the sending and receiving of the money, because no one ever sends and receives money and that's it like there's always at least a communication protocol around that where it's just like what's your venmo and then oh like your little what's your handle there's like that whole data thing there and then like the the purpose like the memo that goes with of what was this for and then your friends list and just like all that social aspect to just basic payments needs to exist too but then you also got like what do you do with money oh you do um like you gamble on things sometimes or you pay you know you split payments on something like you send someone money and it goes to five different things you there's a million things you do that that the functionality of the payment isn't just i send you money it's like other stuff and so i've kind of like thought i've kind of evolved to like while payment chains should be getting better and better at their core thing there's a little squishiness in like what they need to evolve to be able to do that's adjacent to just the payment case that's around it, but isn't like, you know, let's, let's make, you know, monkeys. Like we don't have to make monkey drawings and do that, but you don't necessarily need to, but yeah. Yeah. Well, as far as that goes, I mean, I think, yeah, the Bitcoin cash and one of the things I'm very pleased about and very excited about is that it's, it's kind of, firing in a few different cylinders you've still got the core money you've still got the sound money you've still got the proof of work you've still got merchant adoption you've still got all that stuff then you got the smart bitcoin cash stuff which i said is a bit of a wreck but if that can kind of and now you have this sort of third like you're saying dash or like bsv or whatever are maybe firing off on some like kind of combo angle where you have some some stuff to augment the actual money case with some smarter technical stuff without going full-blown uh, token ecosystem and blah, 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 right? So I like that Bitcoin Cash is doing a little bit of each and I think that those they can complement each other and, and power each other up, basically. And definitely another time, yeah, we could maybe we'll have to do another episode sometime where we can talk about all, all the differences. But you can sort of think of it in like, yeah, maybe those three categories in terms of there's the smart contract. It's like EVM stuff and it's all kind of tied to the account-based model and the tooling and infrastructure is kind of one category and that's what smart Bitcoin mm -hmm. cash is in and EVM and whatever. And then there's kind of the dumb, you know, central cash coin type thing popularized by Bitcoin initially. And then as far as these UTXO contracts come, you know, we can sort of split head. I mean, I would obviously advocate that cash tokens and this bch bull stuff i think is industry leading stuff 
but it's similar but a bit different to the like BSV thing of let's just shove a whole bunch of data into op return and <laughs> call call it a day like that that'll be great and then you have the mm-hmm. um you know the dash stuff i haven't looked into that so i would need to look into that to find what what is going on there but uh i i'm aware they're they're getting there on the dash platform or dash evolution or whatever it's called now too right so that that's an interesting little that's certainly underpriced in the market i think these are all these projects cracking away on this kind of stuff are not the ones in the big 20 just coming back to what we were talking about before actually which is anyway that's just occurred to me um yeah kind of interesting all right <laughs> let's move on we got a lot we got to get through in the last half hour unless you got a bit of extra time because uh yeah i don't know if you're on the clock but at some point it would be nice maybe towards the end i'd like to bring up the bitcoin.com map and the way it got out of the wallet of allegedly or it's hard to access in that and like yeah yeah at other than that at the end we can go we can go lightning round on this like okay, a network right. round where it just like doesn't work <laughs> sorry <laughs> keep going all right all right elon buys twitter so yeah we don't need to do this in all uh great great detail but this is another sort of uh background context layer to what what's going on in the world i've got a couple slides here about that so after a lot of back and forth and a lot of oh, i'm gonna buy it okay i'm not gonna buy it okay this is a different amount of money okay i'm suing you for frauding me with how many bots there were oh, okay turns out you guys actually had better lawyers than me <laughs> whatever whatever happened at the end of the day elon did end up buying twitter uh he showed up at hq the other day holding a sink which mostly seemed to be an opportunity for him to make the pun let this sink in on twitter he then immediately fired the ceo the cfo and the head of legal compliance which if you ask me personally is a very promising uh, start he certainly has never been accused of somebody who's going to tread lightly and come in and just okay however you guys were doing it kind of thing uh but came in and just already uh <laughs> training the swamp if i can put it that way not you know mm-hmm that's a bit politically charged but you know and he he, but you know at the same time it's not all uh hunky-dory he promised uh like trump released a message saying that he had been promised an unban on monday so i guess we'll find out tomorrow and then elon posted saying he was going to set up a council to review uh lifetime unbannings and stuff like that and that no action would be taken until this supposed uh council had convened and assessed you know controversial issues such as unbanning donald trump right so uh, whether or not they're going to actually deliver on that who knows and just as a little Mm. side nugget in here you also have dogecoin has gone through the roof now that it's basically uh elon sentiment uh indicator and it's uh, in the top you know it's like number eight now i think it's it's pumped about 120 percent in the last couple of days as a result of this thing. So what what like do you make of, the of Lord Elon? Of, <laughs> the Lord of Chaos himself at some point needs to just say, I'm done with Doge, it's trash, and just watch it crawl. Because this I think that Doge pumps based on the the what if. It's not based on anything real. Obviously, it's not like, well, according, I really think Elon's just like, well, but what if? 
And at some point that the meme memes, the game stonks kind of vibe is going to die out. And so, you know, screw Doge, whatever. I don't care. I don't have any rancor against Doge. It's just the people on Twitter who take it too seriously annoy me. Uh, this dude, um, I think that Elon is quickly going to start to realize that this whole Twitter th thing is harder than it looks because uh, one of the problems with uh, decentralized with centralized protocols is just all the stuff that goes with it. Like if it's your database, you have to store all the content that's on there and it's your responsibility for stuff and you're legally liable for stuff for what people say. And you're, you know, if you run a company that is facilitate terrorism or something, it's like, well, that's on you. It, it, all these problems happen. You have to do a council of moderation. I mean, poor guy. Like, I just feel like I hurt, felt bad for the, the lizard Lord himself, Mark Zuckerberg, when he's talking about all his stuff about like, well, like they have a counterterrorism, like Facebook has a counter meta has a counterterrorism unit that rivals that of some of the largest countries and stuff, just cause like they have to, cause they're in the business now. And it's just like, um, on the one hand, you have like this, like, oh, this, like the new oligarchs of the future coming in, you know, the social media people are like, is Elon Musk is more powerful than most world leaders right now, I would say. But on the other hand, a lot of this stuff, like Twitter is more important than like, you know, the government of Bulgaria, for example, <laughs> just pulled a random one. So don't come at me, Bulgarians. But like, on the other hand, a lot of this power, they don't want, they don't want the influence. They don't want to do that. Even, you know, even a lizard like Zuckerberg is not going to, he doesn't want it. He just wants to like build his thing bigger and connect more people and make more money. Like he doesn't want that aspect of it. And he'll even less. And I think that now that he's, he's in it, he has to do this. He's his, um, uh, problem solving brain combined with his fuck it attitude is going to quickly be like, there's got to be a better way of doing this. And just like, he's going to start thinking like, how do we not have to deal with this bullshit that I have to deal with? Not just how do we like do it better, but like, I think he's starting that way. He's like, Oh, more free speech, more equal here and there. We'll, we'll you know, get rid of the bots. Like at some point, um, I think that what he's been talking about is more like curating specific experiences based on specific people and, you know, making it more, not, you just send like not a uniform thing where you have to rule the land, but just making it more of a, a person specific thing. And so I have high hopes that this is going to go well, but he, it's also like, he's running into a lot of barriers by being a centralized entity. I think he's going to figure out quite soon maybe within five or so years that you got to start decentralizing. You've got to start not being responsible for everything. You just push pieces out, you know, maybe the main front end, this turn Twitter into a protocol like Jack Dorsey wanted to do and wants to do just turn it into a decentralized protocol and then just have little, and then Twitter's the main front end to this protocol. And you can kind of like do that, but then all you do is just like add filters instead of sensors, right? Add filters where you just don't see that if you don't want to. And it's much more user-directed than this council of things. And just like, ah, breathe easy, you know? So I think that's where he's going to have to go to. And just right now, it's going to be a, a nightmare for a little while, poor guy. 
Yeah, well, I, th- I agree with you. I think he's bitten off a bit more than he... Ch- I mean, the whole back and forth with him getting involved seemed to be a bit like he got a bit carried away and thought, wow, this is cool, free speech. I need to fix this shit. I'm the top poster. Donald Trump has been banned. Justin Bieber and Barack Obama don't give a shit. So I'm already the number one poster. And uh, my tweets are getting screwed around with. And like, what is all these bots? And this is garbage. And like, we need to just, this is a problem that needs fixing. And so on top of getting humanity to outer space and fixing the entire world's energy grid and implanting chips into everybody's brains and building tunnels under Los Angeles and trolling Twitter and producing DJ mixes and meeting up with, um, what's the name? Grimes. Like, you know, somewhere in there, he was like, all right, let's just, and I think, yeah, it's, it's, it is basically one too far. So I don't know how much influence he's going to be able to directly have, but what he, yeah, he's going to figure out that, uh, he can't, he can't handle it all at some point, I, I guess. And, yeah he like twitter is going in the opposite direction or was at least up until this point like you're saying it did used to have multiple uh front-end clients and stuff like that and that all got Mm. stripped away but maybe he can make steps to reintroduce that i don't know i think it's in my theory on that yeah the reason why it didn't work is because there's no money in that and that's the genius of crypto is you have something like the original bitcoin protocol which actually self-funds a lot of it and I think in the future, like making a Twitter on the blockchain has been like a, you know, a trope for a long time, but we got to do it at some point. Like if you just had to pay on chain transaction fees or some transaction fees to, to tweet anything, all the bots gone overnight, just gone because they, they're volume based. They're just like taking advantage of that because they, no one's clicking those links. I mean, like almost no one. And then being able to paywall, like I would encourage everyone to contrast the Twitter experience with the Twitch experience. And Twitch is a BSV Twitter clone, and it's 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 a shell dome. It's BSV. It's annoying, but it, they're doing some interesting stuff there with like the you get paid for likes and you pay to tweet and Twitch or whatever. And then my favorite part is you can set something called the troll toll, where you can toll individual instead of blocking a user who's annoying you you can just put a price for them to interact with you so that if they're going to pay the toll to, to talk smack to you then you're going to be happy that they're insulting you because you're getting money and i like that concept and i think that like just paying like dust fees to be able to post at all is going to kill almost all the bots and then for bigger celebrities who you would you know still pay something for they can just set like pay 10 usd to tweet to me i mean uh, you, you could cut down a lot but like a lot of times like every time you see a like a celebrity tweet something and they don't turn off commenting it's just like chaos in there it's just like so much because people <laughs> just blah, blah 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 just saying anything just it's not even insulting and mean i mean a lot of it is it's just like just that no there's too much volume it's not valuable but if you set that like a ten dollar toll I think that that would like tighten up that quality. So it'd have like a quality feed. And also imagine if you got to earn that $10 toll and then all of a sudden you could just be at, you don't have to shill a newsletter or some nonsense to be, you can just tweet and that's it. And that's how you make your money. If you're good enough. Right. Like imagine Andreas Antonopoulos, he wouldn't have had to do any, he could just 
tweet, you know, all the Bitcoin protocols are about, and then like people, yes. And then that's his living right there. He doesn't have to do anything else. I mean, big ideas. Elon hit me up. I got a lot more. Yeah. Love it. And I really hope this is the, this is the direction that things are moving in. So next we'll see, mm-hmm. we'll see Elon best of luck, but yeah, I don't know. Big, big battle to fight on that front too. Anyway, best of luck with that. All right. So we got uh, another slide here that I just put, we, we ended up with loads of content. I just was trying to uh, put a bit more background, but I've just got a few of these stories that I noticed this week. Uh, we've had MasterCard announces a crypto integration with some banks via something called Paxos. Visa has filed some patent information about opening a crypto wallet and PayPal uh, announced they were going to $2,500 for misinformation, which they then backed off of uh, after everybody was like, this is bullshit. And then they reinstated it once everybody was no longer upset about it. And so I've just wrapped this all together under the heading legacy is here. And let's actually combine it with the next slide uh, is meme of the week, which is a girl holding a uh, FPOS like uh, point of sale machine. And it just says, I'm sorry, sir, your card has been declined due to your political views. And in light of everything we've talked about, I think it's just comes to the point that all this crypto stuff this is it's starting to play for very high stakes because the the pressure is ramping up on in terms of payment censorship in terms of deplatforming in terms of existing uh financial institutions getting involved in crypto and or adding their own rules and regulations like this this is this is it this is big stuff everyone uh <laughs> you know that it just all seems to be coalescing in that in that direction none of this is is random i don't know what you think of the state of the world right now but i'm seeing it like crypto is kind of at the center of everything going on to my mind at least yeah we're we're getting there for sure it's it's kind of crazy to see um i think a lot of like this is i mean i don't want to be pompliano here but this is all very quite bullish i think that everyone's jumping into this stuff as far as like the regulations and things i think that that it's becoming a lot more obvious why decentralized crypto and using a decentralized way is better and i made this little like short tiktok or whatever the other day about the usdc thing because apparently usdc costs like 40 percent more to send than die because of all like the block lists and stuff, the smart contract that's, are you sending to these? No, no, no. And just the extra computation literally costs more in gas fees. And it's a fantastic allegory for regulation. Just as I talked to bring it full circle to the bit license thing. Um, it's not that, well, you can do this or you can't do that. No, you can do whatever you want. Just this costs a lot more money. And that's what we're going to see. Like PayPal, like insurance companies, right? They, they take a hit every time they have to pay out a claim, but they calculate through their actuaries do probability calculations to make sure that the, what they're charging in premiums is worth the occasional payout and stuff. They, it's like a very fine science. And so I'm sure you could calculate your statistical cost of using PayPal. Like obviously it becomes more heavily weighted if you are like <laughs> talking smack on Twitter all the time, right? But if you're, but still it could be like this is the extra cost associated you just it just randomized not really randomized but it doesn't always hit and then this is how much visa is going to have to cost because they need to do all this compliance and regulation nonsense and they have to pay the bills somehow 
and just versus all that versus just on chain and it's pure. Now on the other side, um, I do think a lot of times, um, for certain applications, some of these payment apps might end up actually being cheaper than on chain because on chain is you're sending the actual thing. Whereas their internal like micro lightning network of a database, just sending back and forth, they don't have to actually send a real Bitcoin transaction. So that might be cheaper as just a small side, but as a whole freedom is not free, but it's cheap. It's a lot cheaper to, to run under a free system than it is under like a captured system, because then there's so much friction and every time there's like friction, every time there's then there's money flying out of there. You're just losing money for every little thing. And just the more friction, the more money you lose. And it just, the fact that you can send and receive and use cryptocurrency so easily without centralized third parties, it's, it's not that you can, it's that it's so easy. That's going to be the, the differentiating factor. Cause then you're just going to see, pay all this money for this experience. Don't pay the money for this experience. And that's it. People vote with their wallets. Yeah. Speaking of those costs. So I've got stat of the week here is us federal debt is at $750 billion for interest payments alone, which is the same size as the annual us military budget. And it is of course, is busily going through the roof. Yeah. Which, and it is busy going through the roof. So it will be of course, twice as expensive as the military within a few years, uh, probably. So this escalating system of debt and costs is really, really, really adding up. And then I've got community comment of the week here uh, from Luke Martin. What they tell you crypto regulation means less scams, less hacks and clarity. What crypto regulation actually means can't trade on the best exchanges, can't receive certain airdrops, tokens can't pass value to holders, can't buy new tokens, less privacy. That's basically the summary of what we were talking about. You're just adding friction and creating nonsense. And at the end of the day, somebody's going to have to pay that cost. And maybe the average person, well, it's getting harder and harder to say that the average person doesn't care because increasingly, like whatever it is, 15% of the adult population in various major countries owns crypto so people are at least mm-hmm. interested and in buying into the concept emotionally uh as well as financially a little bit uh we're gonna but as those costs ramp up and up and up and the difference becomes starker and starker yeah eventually cost of living pressures increase as more and more people are like what are we doing with all this financial bullshit why am i constantly getting ra- i saw the people protesting the uh the cost of living increases the other day uh, when I was out and about and I ha- I wasn't quite in the mindset for it, but one day I'm going to stop and talk to those people and say, Hey, why do you think the cost of living is going up? And then give them a bit of the crypto mm-hmm. crypto shill. If they're going to try and shill me their political, whatever I'm going to say. Yeah. But instead, yeah. how about instead of voting, you could actually do things differently and you don't need to vote. You can just vote them out. Like, or you can vote as well. Oh, I love you. How, how about this? I'll give you a vote and you switch to crypto. Like everybody mm-hmm. wins. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think. Which is a right. side note. I, I would be fun if one of those protesters just had a sign that had that meme of like, damn, why shit costs money? And that's it. That would be yeah. a fantastic way of just communicating. But yeah, the, the switch to crypto thing is more of a rabbit hole, especially depending on the crypto because... Like people talk about price 
changes. It's like, well, the price went down, so isn't it worse? Burr, burr, burr. It's like, yeah, and, and I think that you need some sort of stability. Like you need to start charting, like the like for example, let's say the Bitcoin Cash bottom, like the bottom of each bear market, and how it's like, you know, because there's a lot of like this fluff of the speculation on top that goes up and down, and that's like scary to people. You got to start. Maybe you start using any hedge. I don't know. But like the point is like, I think if people realize that the dollar is crashing, the dollar, the, the best fiat, right, is crashing like 10% a year or more or something, depending on the year. It's just down, 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 down. You're just losing money. Everything's more expensive. People are starting to figure that out. Like before inflation was either like a economist thing or, you know, to a certain extent, like, variant like a libertarian thing like no one talked about inflation other than gold bugs and then now it's like trending on twitter frequently like everyone knows what inflation is now it's in it's real and so i i think that yeah the dollar has always been the safe haven and now that the dollar is just like every other country's shit coin like <laughs> i grew up you know i was cleaning out my grandmother's house after she passed and she had all these old pesos and and like, what are these, mommy? And she's like, oh, they're no good anymore. Like in the mid '90s, we got rid of those and started using these other ones. And it's like, oh, like the scam got a, reset. <laughs> That's yeah. just what it is. It's just a new ICO launch, the government yeah. version. <laughs> and well, that's what I was saying. And then it was at the time seven pesos to the dollar, but. It, what it actually was was seven thousand. They just cut off the zeros because you know we're gonna do that. And it's like that's, you know, it's like um like eCash moving the desk. <laughs> Sorry, don't get mad at me, eCashers. But like it's a little trickery like that. And then it's like, what is it today? Like last I checked, it was like a year or two ago. It's like twenty eight pesos to the dollar. And it's just like, oh, so that's going down. And then like, is there anything that's going up anymore? <laughs> you know. And then that's where Peter Schiff comes in and starts ranting about stuff. But then. Like I tried to live off of gold before I tried to live off of crypto. It didn't work. So yeah, we need Peter Schiff. When's when when's he get when's he gonna get it? That's what I just it's one of the most amazing uh you know, um what's what's it called when you have a position and it's like you're not cognitive dissonance exactly, because I think he can't it's like a rationalization that he he has been shilling for twenty-five years or whatever the fuck that everybody start bailing out of the dollar system and, you know, start living and transacting in free other ways. And it's happening in front of his eyes at an explosive rate, at a rate he cannot deny and he's seen for over a decade. And yet, just because it isn't happening the exact way that would benefit him or that he has been saying, he just can't get over this tiny little hill onto like, wait, you guys are fucking doing it. Within the next half decade, 20 hours ago, Peter Schiff tweeted, gold is the best money man has come up with. Now, because of blockchain, you can create a digital currency backed by gold for a superior form of money instead of paper currency or cryptocurrency backed by nothing. And he's shilling some gold backed crypto. It's happening. Like it's, it's starting to happen. Like the thing is, I've, I've also sort of come a little bit like, Every time I read Peter Schiff's stuff, if I just ignore the fact that he's hating on something that I like, he's making a lot of good points. A lot of yeah, them are he does about make BTC. a lot of good points. There are a lot of that BTC in particular, but there's some that's like all of crypto. I think that crypto needs to earn his respect, honestly. Like crypto, the the 
the potential of the technology is huge. A lot of the fundamentals are sound on some of them, but like it needs to, it needs to like get to that next level of being undeniable. And then he's there. Well, like right now he already sees the technology is like super like important, but then he's just like, well, it needs to be backed by gold and stuff. And it's like, okay, well, why is it the scarcity and all? And eventually <laughs> he's going to just realize that that's like the extra step in there. That's like the physical asset. No, it's just like the, the units and their provable digital scarcity are what are valuable and the utility of that. The actual gold is just like a stepping stone. It's like training wheels for him. It's just like, you know, when you first start drinking alcohol and it's just like, yeah, it tastes kind of weird. And you just like water down a bunch of sugary stuff. It's just like, that's kind of what he's doing right now. He's getting used to it. <laughs> Taking him a very, very, very long time. But I agree with you. In the end, he'll get there. Or he'll just get bypassed by the world, which is what's happening. I mean, mm-hmm. what's actually going to happen, unfortunately, is that probably BTC is going to blow up and he's going to get the biggest dunk on his son as like, I told you this whole Bitcoin thing was stupid as it all falls apart just because his son, mm-hmm. unfortunately couldn't see the suffers from the exact problems that Peter Schiff has correctly identified that he's a bit young and stupid. And so has, (laughs) he's going to get a huge dunk on him and be like, I told you so. But the fact is like DeFi or crypto is going to win just maybe not uh, BTC, but anyway, all right, last slide or second last slide, whatever we got message to the community. So this is your lightning round. This is well, you can also have a message to the community, but if you want to throw in anything else, we've only got five minutes left if you want to leave on time. So it's up to you. I got as long as you want, but lightning round. Yeah. With it. I'm not in, I mean, I can't be here all day, but I, I don't have a heart out either. Um, yeah. So the thing that did kind of hit me, so I've been trying to get back, like, back into the crypto adoption game where I'm just, I'm not just like, I'm going to explore new stuff. I'm going to run my show. I'm going to like, I'm, I'm just like, let's get back to using this stuff. Like not that I stopped, I personally stopped, but like, let's get the movement going. Um, and crypto maps are a fascinating uh, thing like merchant maps. That's been like, that's one of the most underappreciated and overhyped things in all of crypto is the merchant adoption map. It just, it's such a catalyst to like the or a nostalgic catalyst. Look at all the markers we have. And like all the maps have been super inaccurate as far as I've known. There've been a few that were really well curated in some areas, but like, you know, it's, it's been the constant thing. However, you do kind of need to know where you need to spend, where you can spend your money. There's no visa map because you can kind of spend it everywhere. And I think that one of these, um, this is my like mass adoption thesis for today as as I'm like learning more about it. You need a wallet, like an all-in-one wallet and you need need to be able to buy from the wallet probably because a lot of people are going to do that. Not everyone's going to earn crypto like me yet. Uh, You're going to need to be able to, I think, um, stake as in find a way to like earn money on your money in there. And right now, I mean, ThorChain, the reason that they, when their whole thing went out of consensus was because they were testing like a, a Bitcoin interest bearing account kind of thing on ThorChain. So all something like the Bitcoin.com wallet would have to do is just implement the ThorChain and eventually you could just build that right in. You, you wouldn't have to build anything new. And obviously the revenue from the the interest bearing account thing or whatever is from trading fees and liquidity and all that kind of stuff. So buy in wallet, stake in wallet, spend in wallet. And the spend it wallet's always the tricky part 
um, when you have stuff like the Dash Direct app that lets you spend at like hundreds of thousands of merchants through this like gift card workaround, but it works really seamlessly, or you know, CakeWallet has it too for like Monero and Litecoin and stuff like that. And then the same companies coming out with like a digital like Visa card thing that you can buy also without KYC. You could just get, and then once it's over, you get a, get a new one. You can plug that into your like your Apple Pay or whatever, and then just pay like that everywhere. That solves most of the problems. It is still a workaround though. And so I think what you need to do is you need to have a built-in like pay anywhere kind of workaround, but also like the merchant map was one of the things that the Bitcoin.com wallet did so well. And I, I'm, I'm kind of coming full circle on this because Dash has a merchant map in it right now too, but it's like very few, um, very few listings right now. I'm trying to work on getting people to add more to that. But then I realized that the Bitcoin.com wallet took out the merchant map. So First off, do you know anything about this? Second, what the hell? Third, is there a map? Is there a Bitcoin, a Bitcoin Cash wallet that has that merchant map in it anywhere that you know of? From what I understand, is that it wasn't removed on purpose. Like it was just someone wasn't paying attention, and it was a bug. And as soon as it was mm-hmm. brought to uh, Corbin's attention, he was like, "Okay, we're looking into it and working on it, uh, and it should be fixed soon." But it's also like, it's just like a web view plug-in like you can go to maps.bitcoin.com mm-hmm. and it's always up and available i don't know any other map that yeah. use or any other wallet that has a map built in though yeah that would be really important i think to to just put that in a, every wallet because otherwise like every friction step just like the friction is what like grinds of money flies away it's just like you lose the users for every second every extra distance that your eyes have to move every extra button you have to press you just lose people and so it just i i yeah well i I think that (laughs) yeah i think it i think essentially it was an an accident i think it's being fixed or whatever but yeah the basically you're right and i think there's i think one of the big innovations which people need to bring to this whole map space and there isn't a ton of competition on it but maybe there will be more i think there are certainly opportunities to improve the map is it needs to just be a bit more of an automated type of thinking because part of the problem with the map is curating it and checking that uh like once you do all the work and everything to get somebody on board well then what if nobody goes in there and pays in crypto what if they stop you know the staff turns over at a restaurant every two weeks and then in three weeks time Mm -hmm. or in two months time everybody's forgotten about it and blah 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 I think for this kind of thing to be really successful, somebody is going to have to pick a dedicated physical area where they can attack the problem. So a good one would be like Townsville in Australia. Shout out to Bitcoin Mm -hmm. Jason and the great work he's been doing there. You've got to start there. And then secondly, you need to build some tools so that when somebody comes in with ideally any wallet, but hopefully, you know, maybe you would start with or add in specific wallet integrations and they pay in a certain currency. Obviously, in this case, I'm cookie hash but it could be done with other cryptos too then that updates the map this merchant is active right and you would have to know with the the wheel that's right and you know because any pay did this it's one of the biggest like any pays the best crypto point of sale system out there that i know of however 
they had this awesome map which color coded based on how recently someone paid a merchant and kind of right. almost gamified it and they just got rid of it because they got bored with it i'm like oh jesus guys right. come on come on well i don't know so, why they did that did they have some problem with it or what what was the issue they just got bored with it i mean i think that they struggled to find the correct revenue source for their hobby which turned into a company and you know they're i think they're still figuring that out but uh regardless of that this is where we get into the uh, i guess full circle to the um the big the um any hedge and stuff like that like the 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 growing the data section of payment cryptos and why you kind of need that so when we're talking about let's talk about the all-in-one wallet right like a, a fiat buying front end is just it's it, you got to interface with the company which is, is what it is um as far as staking now you do need to have staking as part like ultimately there should be some sort of a protocol based way of doing that because otherwise you're relying on a centralized company or in the case of thorchain well it's a different chain or it's a different you know you're interfacing with a different blockchain system but still it's like okay you got that but then it's like well how do i send to you well do i just bookmark your like long ugly address somewhere like no maybe i need like a an alias or something and like who runs that and is there a database of those and can i make con like can i make data associations between you and all these friends that i pay where now i can tell i paid you eight times this month but it's different addresses every time, but there's something that doesn't compromise your privacy because it just keeps track of my friends, how many times I paid them, but it doesn't leak onto the general blockchain. So then everyone knows. So that ha that data part has to kind of be included somehow. And then of course, you know, privacy, right? There's a, you have to figure out how to do privacy and kind of put that in, but then you go to the merchant map, right? Like where is the merchant data stored? Who's storing that? And how do you access that? And so I'm sure if you had some sort of like a, a, a data contract or something, for example, where everything was on like, let's just say for the argument's sake, like the Dash platform is where all these merchant listings are in this kind of thing. And every single time you go and pay at one of these merchants, it like, it says like, do you, you know, did you pay? Did you pay with Dash or whatever? You go, yes. And then that sends updates a state transition and sends to the you know, interacts with that and then that kind of data goes in and so then it's something that everyone can kind of interact with everyone who has this sort of open source map plugin can plug into there and then be like and then you start using even like the dash platform data for something like edge wallet that's multi-coin and then there's a second little thing that's like which coin did you pay and you go bitcoin cash and they're beep and then it updates into that part of the system and then you just kind of get to see like a lot more data sharing and then you can just easily query that data by just having a little backend filter of like only show like the most updated, the most frequently used uh, businesses. So people can be sure of that. And it's like newbie mode. And then there's like adventure mode and you could hit adventure mode, which just shows the places that maybe it's been months. And it's like, well, do you want to go talk to them? Do you want to go refresh them? And then, you know, you can kind of have like a map that works for you, but all that has to sort of be baked in to like one app, but also like you can't centralize everything around one app. A lot of these data functions and things have to be kind of part of the coin experience. And that's what all this like data stuff, why we need to evolve.
We don't need to evolve to be, you know, NFT degen factories or whatever, but we do need to evolve to at least provide the data requirements that come around a fulfilling and accurate payments experience. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a big sort of open opportunity, which I, I know you and I both would have preferred that in a different world where the block size war went another way. This is what everybody was focused on in 2016. And by now we had fucking six solutions, but you know, that's not the way it went. And uh, we're going to just have to solve these problems in the next six years instead of in the last six years. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that that is what it is. Did you have a message to the Bitcoin Cash community specifically, or is that, that, that kind of it? Well, um, I would say that's kind of the message to the whole wanting to live on a crypto community. I have two messages, <laughs> yeah. which are very, sim- okay. very similar. One is you got to get like an all-in-one app type experience because that's the missing thing. Like there's so many merchant locations for a lot of coins, but specifically Bitcoin Cash. And it's just not reflected in transaction volume because it's the chicken or the egg. You got the egg, where's the chicken kind of thing. And if you have an all-in-one app where people can just live on crypto with one app, you can start getting people to live on crypto. And then they're going to be, yeah. I got crypto, we're going to spend, and then they spend it. So that's number one is like you need to get the customer like friction down enough, just slice the, and the customer friction down enough to where they will actually go spend at these merchants or these services and things like that. And then the other thing is still sort of similar to this. Um, starting at the beginning of next year, I'm going to re-release the How to Live on Crypto series, make it a little bit more expansive and as far as, especially if people want to use different coins or in different regions, and also expand that to how to build a business on crypto, where it's like, here's how you do like invoicing and do your accounting as a business. And here's some workarounds for like, how do you build a website and this and that, and take crypto payments there and there. Just because not everyone, you know, once people build a business that runs on crypto, now you have crypto to spend right and i kind of got inspired by that a little bit by uh my friend esteban who is well over a year unbanked living on crypto and his company spends i pays his own, uh, employees half in crypto like half of them get paid in crypto now and he's like a a new wave like a 2021 bitcoin or btc but he's not a, a dumb banksy though so i kind of inspired that to like oh okay like Let's, he gets it. He's not alone. Like, let's provide easy tools for people who get it. And then just like, now you can start ramping up those payment numbers. The scoreboard for the community of any community is cryptofees.info. If those fees remain way too low, people aren't paying to use a network. They aren't spam it either, like BSV or whatever. They're not, you're not, you don't have enough paying customers. Let's, get those numbers up and it's, it's a long road, but it's, it's something to do. It's, it's the goal. That's the goal now. Yeah, exactly. And good point. Foad says in the comments, uh, what about vending machines? Uh, we're working on some stuff like that. That's, that's the kind of thing where, yeah, then maybe you could integrate that into a map as well too. obviously have locations where people can spend things, or it's also giving a uh, mind share to people that's up in there in their face and so on and so forth. And I also want to just say, uh, Big Chat asks, what do you think is the chance that Elon implements Doge into Twitter? And I want to get your your thought on that. Uh, I, 
implements Doge either alone or in a position of prominence, I would say almost zero. Uh, implements Doge as part of a multi-coin wallet, 25%. Yeah, I, I sort of think anything like that is going to have bigger fish to fry in the short term, even as much as he likes the idea. And on average, once you, you'd have to, like Twitter is massive, right? If you started to put some people onto Dogecoin, even just a small test set of users, you would already just spike the fees on Dogecoin enough that it would be like, fuck, this isn't worth it. I mean, yeah, the Dogecoin right. community as it is already hit you know 50 cent or a dollar fees just when there was a bit of hype going. So let alone mm -hmm. putting in, oh, okay, we're going to put in half a million Twitter users. That would be the end of the story right there. And it would be like, this is another... Elon does crypto the wrong way, like he did putting in BDC into Tesla and then realizing, fuck, I got sold a bunch of bullshit by some maxis <laughs> in my company. Anyway, that's a that's a whole different story. But that will that will do it for <laughs> this week. Yeah, we've hit on a lot. Uh, I'm sure, yeah, we definitely could have gone uh much longer, but that's all right. We can always do another another show. Get you back mm -hmm. on sometime. Shout out to the patrons, Ricky and HP. Love you guys very much. Check out the Stark Guide FAQ and links at pickoncashpodcast.com. Thank you to all of our donators, the podcast streamers, and the patrons, obviously. And shout-outs for the show. Do you have a shout-out, Joel? And or where can people find you to hear more of your quality content? Yes. Um, at the Desert Links on Twitter. Not Desert Linux. Desert Links. And then just look up digital cash network you might see jeremy a bunch there uh, not a bunch bunch but enough um, and that's that's just my show and i do like interviews and stuff i'm i'm halfway through the proof of work versus proof of stake like interview series where i interviewed uh, josh ellathorpe from the bitcoin cash community to that was a good episode the, yeah show the hell out of proof of work and then i had justin bonds also a former bitcoin cash guy who's still friendly but he's more like all about proof of stake and programmatic stuff but he's all shilling proof of stake and then on monday i guess it's tomorrow man i have a lot of work to do um tomorrow is uh, uh the decred with their hybrid solution talking about that and hopefully i'll get someone from dash on to talk about that as well and just sort of give like a big full picture of let's just get deep into this and not just have like sniping points on twitter on that and then hopefully after that one is done, I might put out like a, a thing on like why the Lightning Network is probably going to be much more expensive than people think. That'll be a fun one. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's always a bit of a vindication type one for the uh, Bitcoin Cash long time is there. Chet, did you have any uh, shout outs? I got to give you a shout out because uh, I forgot to mention that you're producing the show at the start. <laughs> God, the start of the show is a mess this week. But anyway, uh, that's that's it. Uh, no shout out from you then. And my shout out is to Emiliana, who is a friend of mine that I was talking to about crypto a bit and stuff the other day and is uh, Bulgarian as well. So when you mentioned the Bulgarian government being less important, than I think she would probably agree with you about that. But uh she no. she might also be listening to the show. We were talking about the podcast a bit. So thanks, Emiliana, if you if you hear this. <laughs> Shout out to you. And that will do it this week. Thank you everybody for listening. And until next time. 
Peace. The greatest story the world has ever known. The rise and rise of Bitcoin. 2022. A single chance for the world, a single moment in time. Bankers captures all, our cryptocurrency flies. Gets to decide, Phoenix fly from the flame. Bitcoin BCH forever changing the game. An underdog story everyone trying to deny. Bitcoin revolution, crypto trade on the rise. Then they stole our brand name and tried to push us aside. Cause they said it was over, that we'd never survive. Maybe there was a world that was the end of the ride. But this kind of hero's journey is refusing to die. So we picked up the shovels and headed back to the mine. Started over from scratch, finding fresh dynamite. Flipping over the board, drew up fresh battle lines. Set the difficulty right and forked a couple more times. Budgets got slashed with prices on the decline While the faithless gave up, but the project survived An unstoppable will kept the blockchain alive And community grit simply arrested the slide Suffered plenty of hate from doubters on the sidelines Drew on passionate drive where strength comes from inside So this is your notice, written down in